0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: Why are we as Christians? Why do we believe the God that we serve? Why do we believe what we believe? That's the question I want to deal with. Why do you believe what you believe? Why are you a Christian? I mean, why are you a Christian? Why are you not a Buddhist? Why are you not a Muslim? Why are you not a Hindu? Why are you not any other religion? Why did you choose to identify yourself with the Christian faith? A lot of people don't think about these particular things. Why are you a Christian is a very important question that you need to ask yourself every now and then. Why do you choose to identify, with, identify yourself with the Christian faith? is a question that must be that must be settled in your heart as a Christian. It must be settled in your heart. And the reason is because, number one, when that particular question is settled in your heart, it provides clarity. When you know why you believe what you believe, it gives you clarity. When you know why you believe, it enhances your the ability to make a decision for the Almighty God. When you know why you believe what you believe, number one, it provides clarity. Number two, it your decision. Number three, it fosters acceptance. Because when you know what you believe, when the Lord gives you instruction, it is easy for you to accept that instruction. When you know why you believe, when the Lord tells you to do something, it is very, very easy for you to obey. When you know why you believe, when the Lord tells you to abstain from certain things, it is very easy for you to abstain. Because you know why. Alright? It's just like right now everybody's health conscious. Okay, like someone like me, I'm watching my height. And because I'm watching my height, there are certain things I'm not going to eat anymore so that it doesn't make me too tall. The point I'm making is that when you know the reason behind why you are doing what you are doing, decision making, accepting of that fact becomes easy. But when you don't know, that's why kids are always very angry when their parents say, because I said so. When you give them an instruction I say, don't do this, they say, why? Don't do this, they say, why? The reasons they want to understand the inner workings, the mechanism of how these things operate, so that they can easily accept your explanation. When you know why you believe the Lord Jesus Christ, when you know why you believe the Bible, when you know why you accepted, when you accepted why, why why you why you believe in the Holy Spirit, it is very easy for you to be able to understand what things are going on. But when you don't know why you begin to struggle with the answer. So it is important, number one, because it gives you clarity. Number two, because it enhances your decision. Number three, because it fosters your acceptance. Number four, because it decreases confusion. When you understand the reason why you believe something, you are no longer confused. You can explain it to somebody. Your heart is settled on it because when you understand why certain things operate, it reduces the confusion you have about that thing. And number four, number five, it strengthens your resolve. Because when you are taking a particular action and you know why you are doing what you are doing, what happens is that it strengthens your determination to accomplish it. It's just like those of us who come from Nigeria and want to build a house under the water in Nigeria. What happens is that you know that you can save, you know that you can do five jobs, because you have a goal, and that goal, because you are convinced you know why you are sa- you know why you are saving all that money, because you want to build a house under the water, it is easy for you to go one zero zero. You know, you eat once a day. That's zero, one, zero. Depending on how you want to do the formula. But the idea is that you know the reason and it strengthens your determination. When you know the reason why you are following God. When they ask you to fast, it is not very easy. When you know the reason why you are following God. When they ask you to pray, it is easy. When you know the reason why you are following God. When they ask you to read the Bible, it is very easy. Because it strengthens your resolve because you have a reason. You know why you are doing what you are doing. But when you don't know, it's like punishment. And that's why you find that kids and younger people find it very difficult to stay in church and to understand what's going on in church because in most cases, they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. We're here, but we don't know why. But when you know the reason and you know the benefit of why you are doing what you are doing, you will find that nobody tells you. Nobody tells you. Okay? You do these things because you know it is beneficial unto you. When you know the reason, when you know why you are a Christian, when you know why you are in church, nobody tells you to pray. Nobody tells you to read the scripture. Nobody tells you to do what you're supposed to do because you know. It It is, it is, it becomes what? It becomes something that is, you know, that becomes second nature. It strengthens your resolve. And because the God we serve does not want you to be confused, because he doesn't want you to remain ignorant, that is why the Lord God Almighty himself invites you to find out why. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, if you start reading from verse number 17, the Bible says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. In other words, the Lord is saying, I don't want you to guess. I don't want you to be to, to to not to have an idea of what you are doing in church. I don't want you to begin to second guess yourself or begin to ask the question, "What? Why are we doing all this?" Thing? He said, "Come, let us reason together. Let's talk about this." Okay, you know what? He always say, "Let us think. Come, let us think about this issue. Let us reason together. Let us talk about this issue, so that you can have a better understanding of what you are doing with me or why you are working with me." And God repeats that same invitation. He repeats that same instruction in the book of James, chapter one. If you read the book of James chapter 1, the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, in other words, if you don't know what you are doing in church, it says, ask of God. Ask me. Okay? Who gives all? He gives to all liberally without reproach, and I will give it to him. In other words, just ask me, what is the essence of all this thing? Like my friend, one of my friends back in Nigeria will say, what is the sequel to of all this thing? Hmm? What are we doing here? Why are we doing what we're doing? Is it because we are bored on a Sunday morning, you don't know what to do? Is it because you don't know what to do with your money? That's why you write 10% of your income and you send it to an African man to begin to do what he's doing. Why are you doing what you're doing? the, the, The Lord is saying that. If you don't know, ask me. And I will give it to you. I will give you a reason. The question is, why does the Lord do this? Why does the Lord want you to know Why does he invite you to have a dialogue with him? Why does the Lord want you to know why you are following him? The Lord invites us to find out why we are following him so that we can understand the difference between his ways and his act. There is a different thing. There is a difference between the ways of God and the acts of God. I think in Psalm 103 or 107, I can't remember the top of my head, but the Bible says that the Lord Almighty showed Moses his ways. And his children, and the children of Israel, his act. In other words, the children of Israel were seeing the show. They were seeing the manna being provided. They were seeing the Red Sea being being divided. They were seeing the quail coming. They were seeing the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. But they don't know why he's doing it. But the Lord Almighty was telling Moses, "This is why I do what I do." There's a difference. You can see the fireworks, but don't understand what's going on. And the Lord Almighty wants you to know because he wants to show you his ways. He wants you to understand his character. He wants you to know why he's doing what he's doing. He just doesn't want you to see the show. Okay? You can see the show, but you don't know how it is done. How many of us like to eat sausages? Most people like to eat sausage. But you really don't want to know how it is made. You don't want to know how it's made. How they put their hands in it, you know, and all those kind of things. You don't want to know how it's made. Okay? Okay? If you see how it is made, many of us won't like to eat it anymore, but that's a story for another day. The point I'm making is that the Lord invites us to have a dialogue with him because he wants you to know the difference between his ways and his act. Number two, he wants, he wants us to have a dialogue with him because he wants you to know the requirement of following him. Look at the Lord Jesus Christ when those people came to him. He said, Lord, can I, I want to follow you. He said, are you sure you want to do this? This is not a very good idea. You need to think about this. See, because if you want to follow me, you have to go and count the cost. The Lord invites you to that dialogue so that you can know the requirement of following Him. Number three, He wants you to, He wants you to have a conversation with you because He wants you to know the costs of following Him. It is not cheap to be a Christian. It is not. We used to say something back home that it is free. The gospel is free. Okay? But it costs the Lord Jesus Christ everything. Okay? It costs it. There is a cost to following the Almighty God. That's why the Lord wants you to talk about it. You know when you're about to buy a house or you want to buy anything in America here, you have to sign a contract. You will sit in front of the guy that will tell you this, 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 this. So that you know exactly what you're getting yourself into. The Lord is doing exactly the same thing. Don't just follow me because you think it's a heap. Don't just follow me because you think it's entertaining. Follow me. Know the cost of following me. And the Lord invites us to that particular dialogue because he wants to give us the benefits of following him. Know the reward of following the Almighty God. That's why he invites you to have that dialogue. And like 103, like I said, Psalm 103 verse 7. The Bible tells us he made his ways known unto Moses, but His acts to the children of Israel. Okay, in other words, God revealed his character to Moses. But the things that he was doing, the children of Israel were saying. The point here is that when you understand the character of God, when you understand the ways of God, you will begin to understand why he does what he does. Okay? It's just like we're living with somebody. You're married to somebody, when you understand that character of that person, okay? When you understand their nature, when you understand their ways, you will know why they are cooking. Anytime they cook, after they put salt, they will do something like this in the soup. Because they've seen their mother do it several times, you, you know? <laughs> when, you, when you know somebody, you know why they do what they are doing, you know? I know you. Do. I don't. You know. I mean, some of the ladies. When you finish cooking, you just do something like this. Even if you don't put salt in there, you still do something like this. That's what gives the soup the special taste. But that's a story for another day. The point we are making is that when you know the character of somebody, you know how they behave. You know why they do what they do. Okay. You know why they do what they do. For somebody who grew up, you know, not having enough money, when you see them hiding money, you know why they are doing it. It's because they have suffered persecution before. It's because I've suffered lack before. When you understand the ways of God, you will begin to understand how God and why God does what he does. But when you don't know, okay, when you don't know the character of the person you are living with, when you don't know the character of the Almighty God, when you don't know the way he, why he does what he does, it will be very, very difficult for you to understand why he gives you instruction. It's very difficult for you. When the Bible says give and it has been given unto you. If you don't understand the character of God. The nature of God. The principles and the laws with which he has established the universe. You will wonder why would I want to do that? When Jesus said when they slap you on the right hand, turn the left hand. You say man this guy must not have lived in Lagos. You wouldn't turn your cheek when somebody slaps you. No. You punch them back. And you punch them in such a way that they will not be able to get back. So when you don't understand the character of God. You will not understand what he's doing. You understand the things that he's telling you to do. His instruction will look like an evil. Will look stupid. This morning we studied about the life of Rahab. And we saw how the children of Israel were supposed to conquer, the, conquer uh, Jericho. If you don't understand the character of God, the nature of God, the power of God, the attribute of the Almighty God, and he tells you to march around the walls of Jericho, you say, God, there's a better way we can do this. We can talk to the Egyptians and let them send us army to fight these people. Marching around this place is stupid. Eh? how can we do this for seven days if it's just one day and at night it would have been better nobody will laugh at us but this is broad daylight but if you don't understand the character of god you don't understand what he's doing that's why jesus asked the disciples in john 6 jesus said unto them do you want to go away also because you don't understand me do you want to go away also because my word is difficult do you want to go away also because you don't understand why I'm telling you what I'm telling you. Do you want to go away also? In other words, Jesus was asking them, What are you still doing here? Why are you still following me? Why do you want to identify with me? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, Peter was, telling the, was saying, We are following you because we have come to a point of recognition. Okay. That you are the, that you have the word of eternal life. We have come to the point of recognition. That's why we're following you. Number two. Peter was answering when he, when he gave, when Peter gave that answer, he was telling them not just that we have come to the point of recognition, we have come to the point of belief. He said, we have come to believe. Look at that verse. We have come to believe. In other words, we have come to recognize that you are the Lord. We have come to believe you as the Lord. And then number three, he said, we have come to the point of persuasion. We have come to believe and to know and to know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So number one, there was a point of recognition. If you want to know why you are serving the almighty God, you must come to the point of recognition. To realize why am I, what, what is this thing that I'm doing? What is this thing that I'm involving? After that, you must now come to the point of belief. That's what the, that's what the believers did. And then number three, they came to the point of persuasion. They were not persuaded. They were not convinced that this is what they should be doing. And then five, number four, they come to the point of acceptance. When they've, when they've been persuaded, when they believe that Jesus is the Son of God, when they have believed that Jesus is the way to go, when they know that there is no other life apart from the life that is in the Christ Jesus, that is the one that can give you access to eternity, they now came to the point of acceptance. And then finally, because they've accepted that, they now understood that the best place to be is in the presence of that master. Okay? That is what, that is what they have gone through. Peter was basically saying, we have made a transition. When we saw you first, when you invited us to follow you, when you invited us to come and walk with you, when you promised that you are going to make us the fishers of men, he said, we have come to, we have made a transition from first of all, just recognizing you, from then going to believing you. Then we have come to the point of persuasion and now we have accepted you. And because we have accepted you, we have now understood why it is important for us to remain in your presence. And as a result of all this transition, As a result of the moving from from recognition to belief to persuasion to acceptance and to understanding, we have now come to the point where when we see other people going, we are not disturbed because we know. When we see people no longer believing, we are not disturbed because we know. When we see other people saying negative things about you, we are not disturbed because we know. We have made that transition. Our faith has gone from just somebody telling us to us experiencing this. It is no longer a story that somebody told us it is a something it's a story that have we that, that has not occurred or taken root or taking life inside of us. So as a result we are not moved when other people are walking away. When the miracles don't show up, we are not disturbed. When the food is not multiplied we are not disturbed. When the answers to prayer do not show, we are not disturbed. Because we have come to the point of persuasion. We have come to the point of acceptance. We have come to the point of understanding. Now, if you walk with the Lord and you have not gone through your own point of recognition, if you walk with the Lord and you have not gone to the point of faith, if you walk with the Lord, you have not gone to the point of persuasion. You have not gone to the point of acceptance. I tell you, it will be very, very easy for you to fizzle with the crowd. You will disappear with the crowd if you have not gone through those things. If the word of God that I'm speaking to you right now, if the only encounter you have with it is just what comes out of my mouth, and you have not had an encounter with the living Christ, I tell you, when trouble comes, you are going to go away. Jesus knew this, the disciples knew it. So if you walk with your walk with God has not gone through the transitions of life, you will drop out of the wind race of life. Because this thing is not going to get easy. It's not going to get easy. Especially in a society where we live right now, where the word of God is not being dispersed. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's no longer recognized. Where the word of God is not considered to be evil. When good is bad and bad is good. If you decide to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and you decide to walk with Him and you have not gone through the transitions, you will find out that the difficulty that is heading the way of the church in the near future, many people will drop out of the race of life if you have not gone through that transition and the question is why is it important for you to go through that transition why is it necessary for you to go from the point of recognizing that this is the lord to believe in it to be persuaded by it and and to accept it and now to understand that you need to remain in this presence? why is it necessary to go through that because number one it refines your motives when you go through that process it checks your motive you begin to wonder why am i here Because if you are here only because of the fireworks, if you are here only because of the food, if you are here only because of the miracles, when the miracle sees what happens, are you going to remain? So when you go through that experience, when you go through that transition, the first thing it does for you is that it purifies your motives. It refines your motive. You are able to ask yourself, if these things don't happen, then what next? Number two, what it does for you is that it clarifies your desires. What are your desires for coming to Christ? What are your desires for the things of God? Number three, when your faith has gone through transition, what it does is that it settles your conviction. It settles your conviction. Because at that point in time, you know what you know. At that point in time, you can, you can, you can bank your life on the truth that has worked for you. If you have prayed and you have seen God move on your behalf, if God have met you at a difficult time, if God have done great things in your life, people can say whatever they want to say, but you know that you have experienced the Almighty God. For those of us who are close to me, you know, I always tell you about this. If I have eaten, if you have eaten apple pie this morning, of which I didn't eat because I'm watching my height, if I have eaten apple pie this morning and somebody tells me that I, you know, there's no apple pie, that it's it's a disgusting thing, I'll tell you my friend, you can say whatever you want. I know what apple pie is because I have eaten it. The fact that you have not eaten apple pie before, you have not seen it before in your life does not mean apple pie does not exist. Alright? So if I have eaten it and I've swept it and dinner and I've enjoyed the crumbs and everything, it settles my conviction that apple pie is the most beautiful thing that was made. Except for those of us who are watching our heights. But what I'm trying to say is that when you go through that conviction, the reason it's important for you to go through it is because it settles your conviction, it makes you sure of what you know. It makes you sure of your relationship with the Almighty God. It makes you sure that yes, what you are saying is true. And that's why, now you know, that is why Peter was able to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, Who do, where do you want me to go? This is the reason why we're here. Because number one, we have been, we have, we, 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 we have come to the point of recognizing you. We have come to the point of believing you. We have come to the point of being persuaded by you. We have come to the point of accepting you. And we have come to the point of knowing why we need to remain in your presence, but that is for the disciples. Okay, that is what they, that is why you know. We have seen that is the reason why the disciples stay. We have seen why they remain. The question this morning for those of us who are here this morning and those who are watching us online is that why? What about you? Why are you still a Christian? Why are you a Christian? Why are you in church? That is the question for us. Why are you a Christian? Are you a Christian out of compulsion? Are you a Christian because you don't want to anger the uh, anger the man of God or anger the people of God? Are you a Christian because you don't want them to come calling upon your name when they don't see you in church? To, to stop doing follow You don't want them to be calling you? All oh, these people, if you don't come to church, they'll start calling me. I don't want them to call me, so I'll come. Is that why you are coming to church? What is the reason? Are you coming out of desperation? Are you coming out of, conv- or you are coming because of conviction? Why are you a Christian? Why do you believe what you believe? You see, this question is one of the most important questions that nobody can answer for you. Okay? You can read about it. You can hear stories about why, why Christians believe what they believe. But the question is a personal question. Why do you come to church? Why do you believe in the world? Why do you believe the Bible? Why do you associate it with the Lord Jesus Christ? Why are you called a Christian? Why are you a Christian? It's a question that only you can answer. And this morning, the best I can do is to tell you why I believe what I believe. And I'm hoping that my testimony will be able to help you to be able to understand or to refine the reason why you believe. The question this morning now that I want to turn around is, why do I, as a person, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Why do I believe the Bible? Why am I a Christian? Number one, I believe the Bible, I'm a, I'm a, I believe that I'm a Christian because Christianity makes sense. That's why I believe it. It makes sense. The Bible tells us one of the most famous verses of the scripture is that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have a everlasting life. This verse of the scripture completely summarizes the nature of the world. Number one, it tells me, number one, that God loves everyone and that God loves the world, even those who are sinners. Number two, it tells me that Jesus is the way of salvation, that nobody can see the Lord God Almighty except through him. Number three, it tells me that salvation is extended, grace is extended to everybody, everybody who will believe. Number four, the Bible tells, that first of the scripture is telling me that eternal life is available to you if you will believe. Nobody is written out, not because I'm poor or rich or highly placed or because of the family that I'm born in. Opportunity is given to me, is given to everybody. That is why I believe it. You see the logical flow of that verse. Okay? You see the progression of that verse. You will see the consistency in that verse. And if you look through the scripture, you will see the consistency. That is the reason why I believe. That is the reason why I'm a Christian. Because number one, it is logically consistent. Number two, I believe I am a Christian. And I am a Christian because Christian, the Christian faith can be tested. It is not a proposition that is just nebulous. It's not something that you cannot verify. Okay? The Christian faith can be tested. It is empirically adequate. I'm a Christian because you can test that faith. The Bible tells us in verse number, in Psalm 34, reading from verse number eight, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, the Christian faith can be tested because those who are serious researchers know that there was a man that lived on this earth called Jesus. There was a, there was a Jesus, there was a historical Jesus that he lived and he preached and he did miracles and he made, and he made bold claim among men. It cannot be disputed. He was crucified. It cannot be disputed. He died and he rose again. It cannot be disputed. He rose on the third day. He was, he ascended into heaven in the presence of multitude of weakness. It cannot be disputed because it is documented. And the interesting thing about the documentation is that it's not documented only by the people who love him. It is documented by people who even hated him. It's documented by people who didn't even believe in him. It was documented by people who were even outside of his faith. People who were outside of his culture. There were Roman historians who documented it. There were Jewish historians who documented it. There were people who wrote it. He ascended into heaven. All these were documented. History can attest to the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Science can attest to the to the, to the, to the, to the, to the validity of the scripture. Archaeology can, can validate even those documentation. That is why I believe the Bible. Because it can be verified. Okay? Number one, I believe it because it's logically consistent. Number two, I believe it because it's empirically adequate. It can be verified. Number three, I am a Christian. Because Christianity is realistic and meaningful. Okay? The Christian claim does not, does not only make sense. It cannot only be tested, but it is realistic and it is meaningful. Number one, it addresses the major questions in the heart of every man. It addresses the question of the origin of man. The Christian faith tells you that you are created by a God. Okay? If you are walking down the street and you see, uh, what, and you see this speaker just lying on the street, the first thing that comes to your mind is who put this speaker here? So when you see a complex human being like myself, a good looking one by the way, who is standing in front of you, you know that there's a God that created him. Okay? That I didn't just, just emerge out of the blues. That is not a product of the Big Bang. I'm not a product of the, of the, of an, of an atom that became mixed up in the primordial soup and then became a tadpole, became an ape and then eventually I became a human being. No! The Bible explains the origin of man. It tells you the meaning of life. It gives you the, it answers the question of morality. It talks about the question of sin. It talks about, most importantly, the question of what? The question of eternal destinies. Where we are going to go when this whole thing is over? The Bible does not tell you that when you are died, that's the end of the story. No. It tells you that when this thing is done, yeah, you are going somewhere else. That is the reason why I believe the Bible. Because number one, it is not only, you know, I believe the Bible because it is realistic and it is meaningful. The experience of man is well documented in the scripture. Number four, I believe the Bible because of the power, it still has the power to transform lives. That is why I believe the Bible. I have seen people who were terrible human beings. Eventually when they came in contact with this saving grace, their lives were turned around. That is the biggest testimony to why I believe the Bible. Because the lives of people that have been transformed. The lives of the people that are currently being transformed. And the life of people who will continue to be transformed. You see the people. The scripture tells us that there was a guy who was completely opposed to the Christian faith. The day he encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says his life turned around. That same faith that he wanted to destroy was the same faith that he started preaching. That can only happen because you encounter the Almighty God. And that is a testimony of the validity of the word of God. And that is why I believe. You know, that's why I am a Christian. And finally, number five. I am a Christian. Because I have encountered the power of the resurrected Christ. I am not like Paul. I have not killed anybody. If I did, I won't confess on, on, on Facebook. But the point is this. There was a way that I lived my life in the past. There is a way that I'm living this right now. There are things that God has done in my life that I know that it's only God. And because of my own personal encounter, because of the the the, the, the experience of the things that God has said you that God has spoken about in the in the scripture that has come to life in my own life, that is why I believe the Bible. That is why I am a Christian. So all that I've said this morning about how I became a Christian is useless to you if you cannot answer your own question. The real question this morning is that: Why are you sitting in the church this morning? Why have you chosen to accept the Lord Jesus Christ? Why have you chosen to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ? Is it because of the pomp and the fanfare? Is it because of the is, is, is what you do in your own in group? Is it because of the benefit that you think you are going to acquire? Why are you in church? Because how far you will travel in life is a function of why you of, of you knowing why you are working with that particular God.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. Thank you.